to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Hello, listener, and welcome to episode 88 of The Big Red Couch. I'm Craig, and on the other side of the planet, more or less, is Ben. How's it going? It's going really well. Hurrah! I... By the time this episode drops, assuming nothing goes wrong, he said paranoidly, I will be about to start an actual job in the UK. That is awesome. I thought so. So, you you survived interview processes and general, you know, that whole harrowing set of experiences. It was a wee bit harrowing. Uh, Interestingly, the lead up to the interview was harrowing the actual interview was rather more like a conversation that you might have at a technical conference or at a science fiction con with a nerdy group or with any group of really hardcore gamers that's an that's an extremely good sign presumably why why you are the successful candidate so the harrowing part was mostly self-inflicted and um, making sure you weren't underprepared. Oh, God, yes, yeah. An enormous amount of the harrowing part was um, uh, me doing battle with my own anxieties, insecurities, and uh, bowel-shaking terror. Awesome. Mm. Well, not awesome, but, you know, as, as expected. All right. So we, we have a card mm-hmm. which reads, Our Listener, International Human of Mystery. And we have the the provenance of that card is unknown, or at least I don't can't pick it out from the um, the artifact itself. Yeah, I don't recognise that handwriting. It's not mine. I don't think it's yours, and it doesn't a hundred percent read as Kev or Tonya. So. Hmm. It could just be it was written by somebody having a bit of an off day or with a pen that didn't quite work. True. Or, or it could have been our listener trying to get, you know, acknowledgement finally and somehow smuggled it into the mystery box. I like that one more. Hmm. Yeah. It got smuggled in there somehow. So whoever you are, kudos. Our listener is basically the fifth beetle. Ah, Apu. <laughs> well, okay, there were four of us to start off with, but we always referred to the audience as a, as a single entity, somewhat amorphously, so, yeah. Yeah. So, this comes to us from the fifth beetle. Or a beetle. That's as likely as anything. Well, apparently, according to a comic I read a while ago, one in four uh, uh, species is a beetle. So, there's a one in four chance that anybody you speak to is secretly a beetle. Maths checks out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's just science. Okay, well, I have an idea for this one. Awesome. Shall shall I plot on? Shall Oh, I'm not I'm not going to stop you. My uh, my 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 thought process has lately been a bit woolly, so <laughs> I I understand the distraction. Um I I got lucky with this one in that I read the card when <laughs> when you drew it, had an idea almost immediately, and then events conspired to reinforce that idea, which was kind of handy. Remember the good old days, Lister, when we feared that we would come up with the same idea and somehow look monstrously unoriginal. Now we're just struggling to keep our, you know, synapses ticking over. Pretty much, yeah. All right. I came up with something based on numbers stations. Fair enough. This man of mystery, human of mystery, talked, yeah, sort of spoke to me about you know, spycraft and disguises and this sort of thing, which then led me to number stations. But what it got me thinking about was you know, your standard number station, um, you know, as they have existed in the past and as some of them still exist today, is just a transmitter that occasionally, occasionally sends out a signal. There are various guesses as to who some of these signals come from. There are one or two of them where, because there was a cock-up and somebody accidentally played a Radio Cuba broadcast on the wrong frequency, they're pretty confident they know who owns it. But by and large, they're not transmitting most of the time. My thinking, and this was kind of reinforced by being in a, over the weekend, being in a town in Scotland called North Berwick, and watching the movie The Boat That Rocked, which is all about pirate radio stations, 
I had the thought of supposing that some mysterious person out there decides that a number station is what they need. And to put a little bit more disguise on it, they want it to be an actual radio station. So they find a few people who want to be in radio and say, here you go, have a radio station, do anything you want with it. But when we tell you to send out a message, send out the message. That's it. And so you've got people working at a radio station and yeah, there's a few different ways you could, you could sort of take this one who effectively are the staff of a numbers station. They are periodically sending out coded messages to intelligence agents. They don't know who the intelligence agents are. So those are the international humans of mystery who are listening to their broadcast. They probably don't know, well, in fact, for entertainment value, they definitely don't know who it is they're working for. And this situation could continue almost indefinitely unless somebody started to try to work their way back up the chain. Unless something, yes, game-worthy happened. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and that would be where the, the gamification would come from. Maybe these folks, you know, they're, they're driven by their passion for, for radio and the free-spirited stuff. And initially, there'd be no reason to, you know, there's sponsors and so forth. And now a word from our sponsors does have slightly different meaning there. Mm. Would not seem sinister. It would seem odd, you know, but it's like this is a, a huge opportunity. And then they start to realise that the, the directives they're getting seem to tie into events happening out in the world. And you know, I'd, I'd wonder if you'd want to do this. Where would you? When would you set this? Would you go back to like the nineteen like nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, like the the age of pirate FM radio? I I've got a couple of options. If I was doing it modern day, and I did actually, I went to the extent of looking up how, how serious and the various satellite radios work and came to the conclusion that from, from an intelligence point of view, they're maybe not ideal because while the transmitter will get to practically anywhere, mm -hmm. you do have a rather more computerized receiver, which means that at least in theory, somebody could get hold of that receiver see what you were subscribed to and figure out, mm. you know, figure out what you were listening to. Whereas the joy of a number station that's just broadcasting to anywhere is that a completely dumb box can listen to that signal. And as soon as somebody moves the tuning dial a little bit, there is no evidence that you ever heard that broadcast. So there's True. no, there's no test you can do to determine that this person heard the signal. The only thing you can do is bug their home and wait. And if that's happened, you're already screwed. Most probably, yeah. No, that's a that's a very relevant thing. Because what I, I was vaguely thinking of was that the modern equivalent of a number station is probably steganography or or just burying stuff in. Well, maybe this is already happening. Burying messages in crazy YouTube channels because the volume, the was it four days of video they get uploaded every hour mm. to YouTube, it would be impossible to police, but. There would be traceability a bit on on the on the receiving device. So yeah, that's the problem. That if you uh, if you put it on a YouTube channel and then somebody realizes that that channel's sending uh, sending information, you are yeah you are one subpoena away from a suddenly massively shrunk pool of who might have watched that because YouTube's gonna know. Or even if you find somebody who has been involved with something, you're trying to work out how it's been coordinated and discover their subscription list or the, 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 the things they've played via YouTube is really weird. And, yep. And they have, and they may have only looked at specific parts of specific channels or specific, and specific presentations. Mm. So you're like, okay. This guy listens to a huge amount of classical music on YouTube and this one gangster rapper. What? Yeah. I think it's completely flawed on that basis, and I'm pretty sure it's what the alt right have been using for it. For <laughs> oh, um, let's, let's stay away from that. This is a happy yeah, podcast. It's a happy podcast. We, we love yeah. our listeners. No, and and yeah, <laughs> and we want them to be happy. Yeah, I I had basically thought that there were two options. It's either it's either the case of if you went with the pirate radio, then I would absolutely set it in in the era of pirate rock radio stations mm. and that's the era of the boat that rocked it i think is around the era when the new zealand's uh, pirate radio station radio hauraki which 
transmitted from a boat in the Hauraki Gulf got started, or at least it was mm. that that kind of movement. So they came ashore and became you know about as middle of the road as humanly possible. So oh god, yeah. At one point, <laughs> at, at one point when I started university, myself and a friend pretty much had their playlist memorized. It was a bad day when we couldn't name song and artist within five seconds of it playing for the entire day. Yeah. We didn't and, have that, that many bad days. Yeah, and that would have been when classic rock was from the 70s. And, yep. And yeah, rather than the previous century. And their playlist could be written on the back of a napkin. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess at that time it wasn't. It wouldn't have been entirely computerized. They would have had to have been moving mm. shit around. So uh, I guess that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking if you if you went with the pirate pirate radio thing, then rather than being, I like the idea that rather than it being a fixed location, you've got some earnest rock enthusiasts hmm. who've been given like a yeah. This benefactor has turned up and given them like a bus with a transmitter in it. So then they're traveling around, they're transmitting and they've got kind of a schedule. And every so often, you know, every so often they get a, get get told, Hey, play this tape at this time. Or, Hey, somebody's going to meet you play that tape. If you went modern day, on the other hand, it could be that it's basically, again, that same thing of, some earnest radio enthusiasts or some alternative music enthusiasts or whatever have basically been approached by a benefactor who is a little bit weird and a little bit eccentric and just says, tell you what, here's a radio station. Yeah. Here's a radio station. There's the transmitter. Here's all the gear. Do what you like with it. Just trans, yeah, trans transmit stuff, have fun, learn your craft. But by the way, we're going to be running some ads sometimes. And I, the, the idea of a call in show at some point where someone calls in and sort of, what would you like to talk about? Well, I'd like to talk about the following. 974-3-Zeta-2-8-1-6-5-O-K-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click-Click
I, I was I was going to mention Blurter if you weren't, because the yeah. idea that Blurter was in fact a cover for a uh, a numbers station is hilarious to me. Oh, or even like an, a, a revolutionary, you know, like a rev- a resistance broadcast center or something like that, because it kind of was in its bafflingly hippie way. Yeah, a Blurter incidentally was with Bruno Lawrence Electric. It was basically a traveling theater troupe. It was an extremely extremely hippie traveling theater group by quite, quite surreal and off the the beaten track for the time yeah and it's by a, by a new zealand actor who did a lot of really good work in his day yeah and yeah so that was a i quite that would be an interesting vibe i mean it wouldn't have like the the impact of something like gray ranks or gray ranks it is a uh, role-playing game about playing teenage revolutionaries in, I think, the uh, Polish ghettos or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Situation where people are in dire peril and things are probably not going to turn out great. Make it a, okay. make it a, bit, make it a bit more wild and woolly and excitable. A, 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 kind of a, a kind of more of a joyride kind of thing, but set in a you know, a New Zealand where Rob Muldoon decided, you know, he was he was president for life or something. Hmm. Okay. So in this case, the the pirate radio folks are rather more involved in things. Yes, they are masquerading as being wacky, innocent kids to a degree, but they're keeping their profile, at least their their physical location and so forth, low, and attempting to dispel immediate sort of suspicion and reprisals for as long as possible with their wacky hijinks. But it comes to a point where clearly their contribution and activities aren't going to be uh, tolerated any longer. So that the, this, this thing maybe comes together f- faster or harder than they were anticipating. Okay. that That is an interesting take. I, yes, I obviously went with with the take of the people running the radio station have have entered into a deal that they maybe didn't fully understand. I would definitely use that in that scenario. It's just that people are, are maybe naive rather than being actively duped. Mm. Uh, I wasn't thinking 100%. Yeah, I mean, well, you could go mm. with duped. I mean, something yeah. that came, came to mind when I was thinking about this was the Stallone movie Copland. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's quite an old one, but the, the sort of the underlying underlying premise of it is that a small town on the outskirts, I think, just across the river from New York, is mm. home to a bunch of New York cops because you know the rule, you know the the rules allow them to to live in another town. There was some some reference in there to how it uh, how this was managed. But hmm. what comes out over the course of the film is that basically the mafia decided they'd quite like a police force or they'd quite like to own a police force and hmm. buying this development and helping a bunch of cops get nice, cheap houses in a nice environment was the way they did it. Stallone's character is the sheriff of that town yeah. when it all starts yeah. to come apart. Quite a good film has one of the most effective gunfight sequences I've ever seen on cinema. Yeah. Uh, well, the Stallone character is, uh, I think, par- yeah, partially deaf anyway, and then somebody shoots a gun right by his head. And so right. for sort of the pivotal chunk of the film, the character is functionally deaf. And so when you've got him going into a, um, a gunfight, they just cut the audio completely. And mm. so you've got, him walking around, then suddenly the car window beside him explodes because somebody shot at him in mist. Yeah, fantastic piece of uh, of filmmaking. But yeah, I I like the sort of plugged into the revolutionary bit of um, of of the culture idea. I think if I was running it, I'd go with, hey, we get to do radio, and all the guy doing it wants giving us the money wants us to do is read out some weird shit every so often. Okay, whatever, we don't really care. And then you've got people dragged into a situation of espionage mm. and intrigue. I mean, thinking about it, finding that they, they are already embroiled in 
a a world of sort of shadowy undercover organizations a bit like what's depicted in uh, the blacklist would be an interesting way of going yeah uh, i i definitely see that as being an option and in some ways making it the this is actually a real commercial effectively it's a real commercial enterprise with a real license and so forth yeah You've just got a bunch of people who have basically been given the keys to this kingdom have gone okay in this in this circumstances moreover it's a deal with the devil sort of thing you're, you're getting this thing for free not really yeah somebody's given you a radio station they don't care what you transmit as long as you stay on the right side of the obscenity laws and even then provided you don't rack up too many fines it turns out they don't care about that either all the bills get paid you get to do whatever radio you want you get to be creative as you want mm. but then there's this catch yeah because once somebody yeah once somebody out there figures out that this is how messages are getting out well the way to track down where those messages are coming from is to find that radio station and the way to figure out who those messages are going to would be to start intercepting them and see who reacts. Hmm. I'd like the moral peril effect of, you know, they say, you know, they, they ask to read out a bunch of numbers and, and, and letters, and then something, something kind of terrible happens, and, you know, they end up hmm. having to kind of report this as news and start to draw a conclusion that, you know, they get, they, get the, they get the wacky message and something terrible happens. They get the wacky message, this time nothing terrible happens. Next time, something terrible happens. And they go, uh, yeah. are we causing this? Yeah, every week at precisely the same, or every, yeah, every night at precisely the same time, they are instructed to broadcast exactly the same stupid, irrelevant ad. And then one day they get told not to, and something awful happens. Hmm. Yeah. It's a, that sounds like it could be a good intra-party conflict one to a degree if, if, say mm-hmm. for a for a it definitely sounds like the one where you would set up somebody as a somebody as a principal person is aware of these sorts of things so they've got an interest here somebody is actually a plant for the authorities because they they know there's something iffy about what this, the circumstances but you know is actually you know keen on radio and likes the other folks but needs to find out what's going on probably best if there is no actual mole from to evil that would be that would be a bit dull i mean you could go with actually it would work for either the either the here is a commercial radio station go nuts or the here is a bus with a transmitter on it but still you know it's the deal with the devil not the the involved in um, things uh, mm. version you could still use the plant in a pj o'rourke book he does mention that yeah, back back when he was a a sort of young activist type, a million billion years ago, that they would yeah they had their 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 underground newspaper. They'd report on all sorts of all sorts of things, and weirdly, none of them ever seemed to get busted for drugs and that sort of stuff. And it turns out because the photographer was actually an undercover cop, <laughs> he was developing the photos at the police crime lab and just making an extra copy, and. Basically, he really liked his his cushy deal because rather than being a cop mm. and doing cop things, he instead got to hang out with a bunch of college activists, drink beer, smoke weed, attempt to sleep with cute women. And so every time they wanted to make a bust, he'd say, no, no, we're getting really good data off these guys. Leave these guys alone. Yes. Yeah. It's that, it's that thing is where the, cell, where the cells of the organization are almost entirely made of are made up of various stories and plans. But <laughs> maybe not that extreme, but not, not, not that extreme. levels. Yeah. But if you wanted to, that, that's sort of the thing I would, if I was doing this as a con game, that's a character I would put in there, is the guy who's been placed undercover at a radio station, realizes there's no useful information to be had here, but actually enjoys... Yeah, enjoys doing his throwback Thursday radio show, uh, enjoys the free coffee and donuts, and doesn't actually want to go back to, as it were, real policing. Yeah, and maybe maybe he, he's he's quite confident. He's been there long enough, confident that the the kids the kids are okay, but something else is going on, and you know it's more of a and happens to be the person who has the attitude like, okay, actually get to the bottom of this. These these at, at worst these are these 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 this lot these kids are patsies. Mm. We need to find out what's actually going on. Yeah, somebody is is somebody is still organising something, but 
they've done it hands off. Yeah. Yeah, they've done very weird remote work. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting. Were, were there any other approaches that you had? Those were the biggies. I mean, it's basically the bit of it that I liked was the whole you're you know, you're part of somebody's firewalling system that if somebody turns an agent then maybe the agent will tell them about the broadcasts but then they go and find the transmitter and the guys running the transmitter don't know a damn thing so you're an extra layer of security so it would be very much i can't decide on the system and it would kind of depend on how you wanted to do do the scenario because there's i think effectively two approaches there's the people running the radio station start to become aware that, okay, so every time we broadcast this different song at this time, bad shit starts happening and start investigating off their own bat. Sort of so they, they're the, the, the active, the, the protagonist in the story. Protagonist is maybe the wrong word. They are, they're, they're taking the action. They're setting the direction. The other mm. one would be that somebody out there, somebody much, much worse than the undercover cop has figured out that this radio station has something to do with it and is coming for them. So that would maybe yeah. make a better, a better con scenario because then you've got, you know, you've got the hilarious situation potentially of a bunch of radio geeks, theater nerds, the AV club um, crowd, all those people trapped in a radio station with shadowy figures attempting to get in maybe to kill them maybe to interrogate them with hammers and then kill them um uh, nobody really knows what's in that vial that one of the, that syringe that somebody's waving around but it does not look fun mm. and no real idea of exactly why it's happening but they have a problem to solve yes make it sort of a, a, a pretty much a horror scenario yes and it would be there's maybe a middle road of of combining the two so having that slow descent into chaos so that at the same time that they start getting curious and investigating things other people are starting to figure it out and investigating them i mean i keep thinking that maybe apocalypse world is a way to go with this just for that bath forth apocalyptica things fall apart kind of vibe mm -hmm. but that may go too dark for uh, for the idea the darkness the darkness is a function of the people playing to be honest that's the that's, that's the thing. It, certainly, it certainly allows the it gives scope for that sort of thing it might be a bit it might be a bit freeform i think one of the one because one of the is, is I, I mentioned horror because of the you know the idea of say that it's on the upper level of a, of a commercial building and they know people are in the building but it's nighttime and it should be dark and quiet and some, and basically, whoever was propping the station up has basically decided to clean house, doesn't know who knows what, and figures that, you know, if the place burns down, they, you know, it's a wash. Mm. The players feel otherwise. And should. Yeah. <laughs> and players disagree. Uh, <laughs> nobody listens. Mixed feelings all around. You could potentially have the fun of the, yeah, the people trying to work their way both simultaneously up and down the chain arrive at the station at roughly the same time as your sponsors slash employers. So you've got two different teams, one of them attempting to clean house, one of them attempting to gather all of the talking evidence from the house and the players being that aforementioned talking evidence attempting to survive the experience. That makes me feel like using something quite mappy. I don't know why specifically, but something with a, you know, the, 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 the assassins are in the stairwell and the, the, the cops are in the stairwell and you've got the, you've got these things that you can slow one group down or help the other group. And yeah. Through that. It, it would be quite structured though. I need a bit of, a bit of, you know, the, the mechanical rigor to go around it, which is why I feel it could work if you it would take a, it also take a bit of again a bit of rigor to get into an apocalypse world style thing yeah. but the idea that you had these kind of these push and pull of different different forces would be quite interesting yeah i can i can yeah and can you do the trick of leading the two groups to the other end of the same corridor at the same time and then getting the hell out of the way and letting them mm. letting them trade fire while you attempt to sneak out through the jeffries tubes as it were yeah 
I mean, they had legitimate reasons for not wanting to talk to talk to the police, the police at length as well. But the idea that I, I did quite like the idea that you know they've gone from this is amazing, we have our radio station, who cares why? To um, we're starting to care why? To holy crap, they're going to kill us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that that's that second arc would make a. Well, maybe maybe both, depending on on how, much, how yeah. what the trajectory of the game is. D- depending but, on the game, yeah, you could have a lot of fun with the with the transition from we are doing a radio show and that's awesome to when did we become part of the global terrorist information network or hmm. when did we become agents of a uh, of a belligerent foreign power? I did not get that memo. I would have remembered that memo. <laughs> yes. That, that would have that would have rung alarm bells, as they say. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did it not strike anybody else as odd that every single piece, yeah, um, you know, every single piece of equipment uh, in here is labelled in Cyrillic? <laughs> you know, I noticed, but I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I just assumed they got it cheap. <laughs> Communism isn't free. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Look, there's nothing wrong with any of the um yeah what are you you're just you're just making problems so what if the equipment came from from korea big deal they make manufacturing yes it came from pyongyang <laughs> yeah and let me get a map <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah that's where i went with that one fair enough i like i like both the potential approaches and matching up the time periods i think so as a flavor thing mm. I think it's definitely a... If you were doing the pirate radio station and you were doing it as a campaign, I would not be able to resist trying to come up with a specific period song as kind of the theme song for each episode. Oh, certainly. And if the and if you were doing the radio station tower intrusion f- fights over multiple floors, you, you could take it up to make it something more like the raid or something and have, like, straight out balls to the wall combat occurring with tracks to denote what was kind of good to, to set a theme for the um, for the, the various stages that would be that'd be taking up to sort of Hong Kong action theater wushu kind of territory yeah yeah even even making it like a dungeon crawl kind of mm. to, to a degree it would make take it over to your kind of very gamified kind of sort of sort of event but no it's still, still be an interesting kind of conflict to map out and then yeah you you would add flavor and interest by having various pumping music tracks that make it as much like a tarantino or something or or a similar sort of presentation i did have one well one one thought that was kind of sparked just now i had been thinking that this is a number station set up by a foreign power presumably what if you tweak it a little bit this is a number station that has been set up as a commercial enterprise. So again, you're going blacklist on it, but it's basically somebody has has decided that there is an efficiency gain to be made in the market, that Mm. you've got this one radio station, and they will just sell number station broadcasting um, capacity to anyone. They they are an aggregated numbers provider. Yes, they are an (laughs) aggregated... Uh, un, uh, untraceable intelligence uh, broadcast provider using this radio station. Very Web 2.0. Yes. Like your, <laughs> the, the business case for this one is, is just running itself. Yeah. So yes, you, <laughs> I should get on that is what you're saying. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You have various places that you know people might might provide the, the, their, requ- their requirements in appropriate format and Bitcoin. And, you know, it just gets funneled through the, the various um, Tor proxies and the deep web. And then you get this garbled message that needs to be read out. Yep. I, mean, I, I was also thinking, or something, I, I had been thinking, we were sort of talking about the modern day version, that there is the Doomtree song, The Bends, mm-hmm. which starts out with the, the verse, or a couple of verses by Dessa, which are essentially a set of instructions. It's yep. a set yep. of location instructions of how to get to a place, which sort of stepped me sideways to the the Underground Railroad of the American Confederacy slave ownership era. 
and the notion that there were instructions coded into songs, which I think came up in an episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I have no idea if it's a real thing or just something they made up for the show. I'll have to, have to check. I'm... I'm going to assume it was a real thing, cause, but I, I, I'm still impressed at The Fresh Prince at that point. Not a show I watched often, but that seems quite um, quite deep. It, yeah, I mean, if, if, it, was, I, I, I if it was something moments. they made up, it, it seems, un, yeah, I would hope they hadn't made it up. The, his, you know, the history of that era was interesting enough. You don't really need to make shit up. Mm, mm. And it's and, and, and as a, a means of using a, uh, an oral tradition to move information around, that sounds ingenious. So yeah. yeah. So mm. I I sort of wanted to give a shout out, a shout out to that one as well, just because it fits so perfectly with the theme. Mm. Because then potentially, if you know, if you wanted to do this as a, a more campaign style game, then and you wanted to do a situation where the players are actively investigating something, then you know, a song that has a list of instructions that they realize, well, okay, we, we have these instructions. Can we figure out what the start point was? You know, very hmm. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And that'll tell us where that message was, you know, where whoever was supposed to receive that message was and where they went to. And there are possibly mm. enough clues in the verse to do it. Mm, puzzles and role-playing games are often a bit... Uh, that is the downside. The thing. Yeah, you need to have just the right sort of players who actually enjoy that crap and the GM who can actually do it well. I am neither. <laughs> the fun- the funniest use of a, um, a puzzle and role-playing game that I've heard, uh, I've heard of was a... So Dragon Quest game, the the GM says, "Oh, there's basically a bunch of tiles on the floor," and it was one of those um, interlinking patterns on plastic hexagons. So it's like, oh, and the players like, and you know, there's other stuff for them to do, and they were talking about so forth. But so a couple of them were were, were playing with basically this game. It's like, okay, and and you know, it wasn't exact, it wasn't a mind breaking puzzle, but things they figured out. Okay, oh, oh, we've completed it. It's like, oh, as soon as you complete the uh, the puzzle. The um, the section around the, the where the tiles was, uh, are laid starts descending. I was like, "Oh, we figured something out! Awesome! Everyone, get on the descending um, platform." Was it a trip that a trap that just loads itself? Pretty much, yes. Wow! <laughs> it was adventurer bait. <laughs> so you don't even need a tripwire because they'll 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 turn the trap on themselves. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's one of those circumstances where the players go, "Oh, we captured ourselves." Um, fair do <laughs> rather than no the GM tricked us it's like nope we totally stuck our own heads in this one <laughs> yeah normally if you if you pull strings to capture players a lot of them will cry cry foul but sometimes when they realize that people will take it onto themselves that they are responsible for their own misfortune yeah we did that every step of that was us all we had to that do was, was me. not play with the shit on the floor and it would have been fine yeah yeah slow pretty ingenious i thought cool Alrighty. um no those are all awesome ideas and i think it's got and I, i'm always you know a little bit interested in the um there's not a lot of kiwi localization for role-playing games well there are a number of plenty of kiwi role players i don't think there's there's quite enough sort of not introspection, but games based around New Zealand. It is the disadvantage of you know, trying to make trying to make games aimed at a market of perhaps four four and a bit million people total. It's already hard enough to sell an RPG. Why do you want to do that to yourself? It's true, but you know it's always nice to get sort of a bit of a to use rather than you know, perpetually going to um, the America you've seen on television or. <laughs> You know, yeah, that that, fa- that fantasy place that was actually shot here, but you know isn't actually here. <laughs> well, true. Yes, the fantasy places that were shot in various bits of New Zealand, the places in America that were shot in various bits of Canada. <laughs> yes, to be fair, the the places they 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 shot in various parts of New Zealand are pretty remote. <laughs> true, the various ancient, Easy to get ancient cities <laughs> of Europe that are all apparently Prague. Um, Prague does excellent work. <laughs> oh yeah, Prague. Yeah, Prague is a hard-working city. Yes. So yeah, that's always. That would, that's, I try and bear that in mind. 
Yep. So you're not just not just appropriating everything. Maybe just the rule sets. Yeah. <laughs> the, the inexplicable construction of Paris, where every hotel room, no matter where it is, has a window that looks directly at the Eiffel Tower. Yes. I suspect that's a same commonality that means that if you ever see somebody take a moving picture of the moon, it is currently full. Yeah. <laughs> what I suppose I'd like to see is, you know, the... the the, the Paris hotel room is this cunning decal stuck on the window because <laughs> it faces completely the wrong direction because half of them at least have to. Yeah, but by sheer <laughs> logic, half of the rooms cannot possibly face the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> yeah, and it would be a fun thing to do for... it. I tried to do something similar in an RPG at one point and it just didn't work. It would be a fun thing to do for a movie maybe where somebody sort of sees pictures taken in a hotel room that you know, oh look and here yeah, of course you can see the eiffel tower and then somebody looks at it and says no there is no possible way you can have a hotel there yes I mean, there's something effectively yeah the view somehow has the the eiffel tower and Notre Dame Cathedral and Montmartre, and it's sort of all compressed into the into the view out the off the balcony. It's like, wait a second. Yeah, there is no <laughs> place in the world in, in Paris that you can stand and get that view. Well, you know, th- that author <laughs> is one place, and we are going to be able to find it. <laughs> that's a point. Yeah, yeah. I think that's been used in in some some presentations, but that's like. That's really, really unlikely on one one way or the other. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, like I said, I tried to do that in an RPG with a a house with a yeah with a with a tower and a turret and sort of underneath the underneath the windows there was a painting of the landscape uh, out the window, except you could see the house in the painting. Right. Unfortunately, the players either didn't pick up on it didn't get it or didn't care and i eventually just had to point out this view is from a different place it yeah it didn't work well it's a visual thing it does sound like you've been playing a bit of mist though that is alarmingly accurate yes (laughs) as in i had been playing actual mist so yeah Yeah. that is that is ridiculously accurate and (laughs) uh, that's all i have to say about that 88 episodes what can what can we say yeah Cool. Right. So I've got less of a coherent idea. So I'm going to need a... Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> but actually, no, the other, the other thing I, I, I had written at the top of the thing is that I should watch Pontypool sometime. Yes, you should. It sounds horrible, but... <laughs> yes. Radio stations and... But it is a very, very good movie. Okay. Radio stations and mind control and horrible things. Yes. And though I also saw, not really related, but I also saw an ad for a movie called The Thinning, which is basically teen dystopia with standardized testing equals euthanasia. Okay. Yeah, that looks, um, it looks total shash. Don't know why it came up this time. <laughs> Fair enough. And I wondered if it was just a remake of the Stephen King uh, movie Thinner, but... No, uh, no, no. No. Okay. Hmm. Yes. Alrighty. So, as I said, I haven't got quite as coherent uh, a notion, but the idea that I was bumping up against was the who are, uh, who, who is our, our audience, and how unlikely would that get? I mean, obviously we've already touched on the possibility of some sort of NSA agent sitting at a desk somewhere, just churning through totally incoherent things posted on the internet looking for the, the secret messages. That'd be a little bit sad. <laughs> Maybe a tad. There's a possibility that there is some harried GMs or, you know, actually you know, games producers mining ideas desperately and they've come across the pair of wingnuts from from New Zealand to, and, and they're just, like, desperately looking for, you know, novel ideas or, or things to kickstart their brain, which we may actually have some of, so we should probably steer away from that. Well, yes, we do. He was our first guest on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and this one isn't a hypothetical. People could go back and listen to the episode. Yeah, I don't want to 
call anyone out just in case. And I mean, plagiarism is beautiful, and, and make it your own and and pay it forward. And but. to be to, to be fair, he wasn't desperate uh, desperate for ideas so much as used us as a way to break break some writer's block by. Oh, oh, we we we, we are intellectual Drano. Awesome. I prefer to think that rather than being intellectual Drano, we are the between cocktails drink that is well made, but a palate palate cleanser for the next one. You know, we are the very well made martini that in, sits in between the Harvey Wallbanger and the Sex on a Beach. Okay. <laughs> I think intellectual Drano is more catchy, but. <laughs> Well, okay, it'll fine. I'll see whether the the, the <laughs> website's available. Hang on, just get that domain name. Yeah, yeah. Hang, hang on a sec. Um, let's let's log into uh, DreamHost. Hold, yeah, just just give, give us a thought <laughs> here. Yeah, 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 cool. So beyond that, it started to get more sort of like you know a little bit more exotic. It's it's you know the the, the thing it's listening is is the the sentient spam bot living in the firmware and your Internet of Things, French, something like like that, and the notion that you know, the the listener that that could be this sort of arbitrary mechanical intelligence who is sending you spam, but it wants you to be happy and productive and go about your day in a in a, in a pleasant way. But the means it has to do that is by is by monitoring and measuring which crappy spam messages it sends you, and dropping in you know. Things to remind you about, like to say, call your mom or something like that. Just just by by tweaking the 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 fake names and the email ad- addresses and so forth. Okay. In- incidentally, um, intellectualdrano.net I can get for thirteen ninety five. Oh, nice. dot <laughs> com for uh, ten ninety five. I suspect it's a, it would be infringy at some level. Yeah, intellectualdrano.car I can get for two thousand three hundred ninety nine dollars. A bargain. Indeed. .xyz is only two ninety five, and I'm going to stop looking now because there's always a chance that I'll click something stupid. Yes. And I don't actually want to own that website. Hmm. And, you know, inevitably I came across the idea that that the, the, these files wind up on a hard drive on, of a ship heading with mostly frozen colonists off to Trappist one or some other local set of exoplanets. And, People on the ship have been there so long that somebody's accidentally backed up collection of podcasts has become their cultural touchstone. Oh my god. <laughs> it's kind of bleak. <laughs> bleak or possibly hilarious, and it depends on what they listened to. And if they're a big fan of Thrilling Adventure Hour, they're going to have a very weird culture. It's true. If it's they're a big fan of Welcome to Night of Hell, it's going to be even weirder. <laughs> yes. So, you know, some, somebody heading off to be frozen and sent to the stars who just has a collection of random podcasts. Mm, it, could, it could be worse. I'm not... At this stage, I'm not 100% sure where the game is in it. No, I really haven't come up with anything. It, it made me think of the... Um, there was a... You've heard of Microsoft Silverlight? Yes. I, it's, I think it's effectively their uh, attempt to make Flash for Microsoft, or like a, like a rich media kind of um, embeddable web object. And when it came yeah. out, it came out with a, a series of little, uh, web series called Kirill, which actually was pretty cool, but you could only see it if you installed Microsoft Silverlight. So it consequently has mostly vanished off the internet. <laughs> Ironically, it was about a guy in a bunker going crazy talking himself on a radio. <laughs> I see. And I'm kind of thinking, well, that's, yes, that's kind of the post-apocalypse going, talk, uh, screaming into the void kind of weirdness that mm, kind of appeals to us. With the added the added layer of pathos that, you know, it's now... Kind of lost to time. I'll see if I can track down some links. <laughs> if you can, I mean that that sort of gets picked up by well, at least the first season of Z Nation, hmm. because you do have the zombie apocalypse and 
the one remaining guy on a base in the Arctic who has a transmitter and is trying to get stuff done. Hmm. I mean, technically, there's also bits of the game uh, Zombie Run. Uh, that's the mobile app that tells you when to run because zombies? Basically, yeah, run away from zombies app. But you do have somebody who is yeah, Sam, the radio operator at uh, Able Township, giving you advice and giving you directions and telling you to run away from the zombies. <laughs> it's part of the story. For fitness. For fitness, yeah. I mean, I'll grant you I use it on a treadmill, but the principle stands. <laughs> so you've got the GPS stuff turned off. Then. Got the GPS turned stu- stuff turned off because you know, I was in Edinburgh. It was midnight. I didn't actually want to go running around Edinburgh at the best of times. I certainly didn't want to do it at midnight. But <laughs> I can do it at a gym. And you know, I found it to be vaguely useful because I kind of wanted to hear what the end of the story was. Yeah, people will thrash their way through almost an unplayable video games to find out what the end of the story is like. That is so, true. Yeah, we are a, we are a, a creature that does like narrative. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about yeah, just the idea of you know the sleeper ship with the podcasts and everything. I mean the the only real thing I can come up with is that you've got this sleeper ship and there's somebody on there who is listening to these things. Which kind of links straight into the movie Passengers. <laughs> I liked it. It's very, um, yeah. Oh yes, from yeah. Depend, depending on how you look at the character, it's it's either a charming story or incredibly fucking horrible. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no two ways about it. I quite liked it as a film. It was only a little bit later that the wait a minute, no, that is actually really horrible. Uh, the the fridge horror of Chris Chris Pratt's character stalking somebody while they're frozen, mining their social media, and then pretending to be the, the an, an engineering situation where they're trapped with only them for company for the rest of their life. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's um. Uh, the the reviews I saw of it suggested that it would have made a really effective horror movie if they'd just been slightly more aware. I did wonder with that film whether it was going to be a horror movie because all I'd really done was see some of the teasers because I prefer Mm. not to watch trailers. Mm. And there are a few moments in there where the, yeah, where it looks like what's going on is really sinister beyond the Chris, pa- Chris Pratt horror movie version, there's also a completely different horror movie that you could make out of that film. Hmm. But anyway, getting, getting slightly off track, but yeah, the, the idea of somebody, somebody or somebody is moving around on this ship with access to this colonist's supply of podcasts influencing their culture. And I'm not sure yet I'd want to go as far as the movie Pandorum. <laughs> But presumably the game there is either somebody, yeah, either the playing a game where you are getting right into the misunderstood, yeah, the misunderstandings form your culture sort of story. Much like the various sort of adventures in the misunderstood present kind of ideas where you, know, you sort of radic- radically misunderstand the current day and, and go from there. Yeah, the other one would be somebody wakes up or the party wake up, possibly due to some sort of mysterious cold sleep accident <laughs> and find themselves having to navigate a society that is largely based on poorly understood versions of the very information that these guys provided for entertainment. Ooh, okay, that is an interesting take on it. Um, especially if, if you were going for a multimedia kind of thing and you could like have the instructions being played out in the background, like kind of like an announcement thing and actually sort of keying off things that are going on in the instructions, which are actually supposed to be for entertainment. It's like, mm. yeah. Also the idea of the, the chickens coming home, home to roost for the, um, the entertainers as it were, but that would probably invest them with some sort of mystic status of being the voices that come over the um, the announcement system. Yes, but that can backfire when the mm. holders of mystic status 
don't say the same things that people who base their authority on the interpretation of that mystic, mythic status might say. I am imagining a situation where something has gone wrong on the ship and what is being constantly broadcast from random speakers around the ship is just the entire audio library. Hmm. Constantly for centuries. Yes, somebody put the entire your entire culture on random. Yeah. And so it's just skipping randomly from classical music to broadcasts from NPR to episodes of 99% Invisible to episodes of weird gaming podcasts that nobody's ever heard of. Hmm. All sorts of things. I think this is probably short story material, though, more than... It's short story or comedy game. You could get a comedy game out of it. You can have a lot of fun with the comedy Mm. game. Mm. Especially if you basically just went through and picked... If you could match the... Match the characters and the scenario to the player and then pick pick sort of one cultural referent that will be relevant that every player can get. So you would need to know your players ahead of time, but you could maybe do that just so that you can have a succession of, oh, holy crap, I know this one. Hmm. That, that's a very personal, almost yeah. intimate kind of kind of thing. But yeah, that's a, that's a, it's more of a, that's more of a presentation tool, regardless of what you, you, the setting would be, some sort of lost, lost society, but driven by these strange impulses. But hmm, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess the other possibility is that, you know, that... Somewhere in the collapsed future, all of these listeners are, and everybody is John, kind of scenario. Mm. That would be a bit surreal, though. <laughs> well, if you were going with the the, uh, the hive mind civilization approach, only not really, then that gives you that gives you some weird options. Oh God, yeah. What happens when the Borg discover a archive of podcasts? <laughs> and don't understand what it is they're listening to. Well, it's not that they un- they don't understand; is that they absorb all uniqueness and technology into themselves, as they didn't realize entirely what the effect would be. So it's Galaxy Quest, but with the Borg. Hmm. This thing writes itself. I mean, that would be hideous, but it would be hmm. yeah. No, how would everyone is John deal with a? A circumstance where the different bits of the personality actually have multiple bodies to play with. Yes, that would be weird. Weird's good. I like weird. Weird's our style. Or you could use it as a framing device for everybody as John. Each of the personalities come from a relatively well-known... If if you were doing it at an RPG podcaster's convention, you could do one with RPG podcasters or podcasts as the personalities. Nice. Yeah, so that would be a it, that would be a bit of a homage thing, obviously. But it would, yeah, it'd be the sort of thing that you'd you'd need people who would start to get and hopefully appreciate the jokes. Yeah, so yes, your lister is literally a composite of the podcasts that they listen to. I really want one of them to be the podcast. <sighs> it's been a long time since I've listened, and no, unsurprisingly, since they they broke up a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. That was just a, yeah. just a personal note there. I, I really want one of them to be the podcast. I really want one of them to be either Monkeys Took My Jetpack or the Gutter Skypes. Hmm. I mean, ideally both, but probably one actual play would do the job. I think it's a it's a very much a personal taste thing, which makes it yeah. a bit more a bit more difficult. That, that would be fun. Uh, yeah, it would need to be kicked around a bit more to turn it into something that was solidly playable. But it's still a kind of a fun idea. Hmm. Like, they do like it. Yeah. So, I think that's all the idea I have for that one, which is a bit of it's a bit of a shame because Alistair is a wonderful entity of many manifold and unknowable forms. So, not not the tribute I really felt I I, I wanted to give, but yeah. But if you've had a bit of a shit week, then or he's hmm. just a busy one. Yep, yeah, that'll happen. Bit of, a, bit of a brain strain. And I'm hoping, you know, I I got lucky with this one. I had an initial idea which then mm. got further reinforced by the chance discovery of a movie that I'd never seen at an Airbnb where the Wi-Fi was sufficiently crap 
that I couldn't catch up on uh, Arrow, The Flash, or Legends of Tomorrow, and thus denied my stories, I <laughs> went with the DVD collection, and they had a copy of The Boat Rocked. If that hadn't happened, okay. I wouldn't have had the whole pirate radio version and wouldn't have eaten up quite as much of the episode with that. No, no, both the tangents we came off that one really good. So I guess the uh, lesson here is, folks, uh, is, you know, expand your, your horizons, do different things, and, you know, maybe get out of the house once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the experience. I've been just for years. I've been based on their various games. Yeah, Pokemon for last edition. <laughs> hmm. And with that, your uh, upload has just crapped out entirely. So I guess we are just about done. Right. So marking up. Oh, horribly. <laughs> that's 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 the learning experience. It's what Nintendo have been trying to teach us for years. I've been assured, based on their various games. You know, the latest one, essentially, yeah, Pokemon for the love of God, leave the house <laughs> edition. Thank you for listening, listener. Whoever you are, whatever you are, don't 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 be objectivist. No, that's not even a term. Bye. <laughs> Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!